Hey, it's Living Cola. Welcome to Casualty of Love's Apologies. Each week, I'll be reading chapters from my book, C-O-L-A. This podcast is rated R for Relatable. What I found when writing was how freeing it allowed me to be. My prayer is that as you listen to this story, you will find your own peace and freedom. It may be a bumpy ride, but we'll get through this together. It starts right now. Chapter 46 Miss Independent Turn to me and be gracious to me and show favor, as is your way to those who love your name. Psalms 119 verse 132 I moved out of the bedroom when I could no longer sleep in there. Recurring memories of trauma wouldn't allow me to have any peace until a few friends suggested that I pray out the space. I mean, I didn't even know what that meant. I knew you prayed for a space before you moved in, but I was already here. What could God do about the space? I mean, it already happened. Things happened. It had already passed, yet just curious, I let them pray through through the phone, on speakerphone. And to be honest, there was a shift. In my atmosphere, the air felt lighter. I wasn't as afraid of the dark as I used to be. I mean, it wasn't an immediate, hooray, I'm free, but it was an unexplainable shift. Before the call ended, my friend said, I can see your book becoming your ministry. Such simple sentence, but it became a defining moment for me. As desperate as I felt, I decided that no matter what happened to me, I would write it down and let the pain be the bricks of my foundation. My sister had come to live with me since I lived closer to her college. I mean, it was nice to have my little sister with me. She visited practically every weekend already, but it was good to have her at the house more regularly. And I know KK loved it. They had this incredible bond. It was always fun to watch because she was the fun one, spoiled him rotten with anything he needed. With her at the house, we lived in the living room, and KK got the bedroom. I switched around the bedroom to give KK his own space. He upgraded to the big kid bed, had his own TV, had all his toys set up. Now that he was four, he was grown. I survived to December, and this was a huge deal. It didn't feel like it at first, but it was good. December 7th, 2010. This is a Facebook post. Dear girls, y'all make me sick. The end. It had been months and Leah was still running her mouth about me. Last I heard, she was telling some guy down at Young and Shepherd about me. She was just out of control, but if that wasn't bad enough, I had just lost my best friend in the building, and I couldn't even begin to understand what happened. For the short time I had been living in this building, Sherry and I had become close. Like, even family, and her family was like my family, you know? Anyways, I had invited her to church one night, and she wasn't able to come. No problem. But then the next day, all day, it just seemed like hell broke loose. 
I must have answered the text message wrong or not answered it or I don't know, something. All I know was that she started bringing up shit she seemed to have been keeping in her books against me. She started saying how this one time I had made a comment that she didn't like. But from what I remember, there were more than one person who made a comment and we were all laughing. All of a sudden, it was a problem. Then she said how I always throw things that I do for her in her face. So I'm like, give me an example so I know what you're talking about. I'm still waiting. The most she could say was that there's this one time I got mad that she brought back my car late and made me late for class. But besides that, I couldn't think of anything else. I, I said, or, I mean, at least I, I don't think I did anything. Then she said how I never offered to babysit anymore. So I'm thinking, I didn't even know I was supposed to offer, but okay. And then my favorite part was when she said, you're mad that I didn't go to church with you last night. That's why you didn't talk to me this morning. Listen, church is a personal thing. So there's no reason for me to get mad at somebody who doesn't want to go to church. She agreed to go, then canceled last minute, but that had nothing to do with anything. I was working my own shit out. This time, I was just like, nah, I can't. And this is the time that BBM was getting people in trouble. That same day, she had asked me for a huge favor. I didn't see it until hours later when I got home from church. But, I mean, I guess it looked like I might have seen it, like with the check marks and thing, and then ignored it. By the time I got home, there were text messages saying she didn't want to be my friend no more. Uh, I felt like she just woke up one day and decided, meh, we ain't going to be friends. And she was just looking for a way out. Honestly, I was crushed. I had seen her cuss out other people, but I never thought it would have been me. Within a few days, her and her whole family unfriended me on Facebook. Is that serious, guys? Like, really? Facebook? Really? Me? That's crazy. I don't even get mad like that. How do I throw shit in her face? Do I do that? What shit? The times I've helped her, I don't even say nothing. She used my car whenever. She had no problem. Where's this shit coming from? Damn. The one person I thought that I had here in Toronto. She was like family to me. Like the family away from home. And this is why I don't trust people. Nothing sticks. Nothing's real anymore. It got worse when I heard she was talking behind my back. Just like that. Just like Leah was. Honestly, fuck females. I'ma just keep that love like Jesus and keep my distance like yay. Kanye. As much as I have been hurt by men, at this point, I took a man over a female any day. At least with men, I expected the betrayal. So when it came, I already knew it was coming. With females, we supposed to look out for each other. Not cut down one another, but it seemed like no one had gotten the memo. Then, just when I thought life wasn't going to get any worse, it does. December 14, 2010. Facebook post. Wow. All my mistakes catching up with me all at once. Lord, help me. I hate cops. Not just because I live in the hood and they harass me every second they could. 
Now, because when I needed protection from a verbally abusive ex-boyfriend and my baby father, they told me they were unable to actually do anything unless they both physically attacked me. Nah, I hate cops because they're trying to take away my independence. One morning, I was rushing to get KK to daycare, so I ran into the house, threw him in the car, and drove the five minutes, few blocks drive up the road to his daycare. As I drove back from his daycare, a block away from my home, I noticed a cop car in the next lane to me. Damn, I realized I didn't even have my seatbelt on, so I tried to slickly put it on as I waited for the light to turn green and prayed he didn't see me. Whoop, whoop. Within seconds, this cop pulls me over on the side street. As he walks up to the car, I'm looking for my ID because I already know he's going to ask, except my purse wasn't in the car. Damn. So, I'm trying to play it cool now that I realize I have no ID on me. I answered his questions as politely as I could. And I found out that uh, my I found an expired insurance leaf in my glove department that I handed him while promising him that the up-to-date papers were in my purse at home. He took what seems like forever to look up my information, then calmly walked back to the car and handed me three tickets. Three bumbleclat tickets the man gave me. With such a smug look on his face. Honestly? This is how I feel on the inside, but on the outside, I said, okay, thank you. Have a good day. Three fucking tickets. Three tickets. Fuck. Three tickets. Three tickets. Three tickets oh my gosh one for not wearing my seatbelt the other for my missing driver's license and the last for my missing insurance card as mad as i thought i was i thought okay no problem i have valid insurance papers so i'll just fight these no problem within two days i got a call from my broker Asking if I was recently pulled over by a cop. Yeah, wow. I was going to fight the tickets he gave me. And she says, not so fast. Apparently, he gave me the ticket and made a phone call to the insurance company. I reported my insurance license plate as fraud. That's crazy. I'm not a fraud. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that the address on my insurance and the address on my driver's license were listed as two different cities. My insurance address was that of my parents and Curtis from when I lived there, and the address of my driver's license was that of my apartment in Toronto. The main reason for the difference was that the car used to be in my mom's name, and with, being me, with me being in the Janet Finch area, I was constantly being stopped by the cops, constantly harassed. One cop had informed me that if I was temporarily living in the area, then I should change my driver's license for the sake of not being harassed as much. When I sent in my information to my new broker, he didn't mention that there was anything wrong, so I assumed all was correct. Until now. With the cop calling me in as a fraud, the insurance company had looked up my name and realized that I had an apartment registered in my name in Toronto. They deemed this as misrepresentation. Yep, misrepresentation. And gave me only two options. Either I'll pay the difference in the rate between the two areas at a price of $3,500, I'll say it again, $3,500 within two weeks, two bumbaclat weeks, okay, 
or they would cancel me and unofficially blackball me for material misrepresentation. Either way, I was stuck and super, super annoyed. I was advised to contact the ombudsman of the company as it seemed like they were dealing with me a bit harsh. And the minute I got off the phone, I drove right down to the police station looking for the jerk who set off the grenade. Technically, I was away for school and would be returning home once I graduated, so what the hell was this problem? <laughs> Lucky for the asshole, I didn't know his name, so complaining was useless. The cop with whom I spoke to said there was no need for the cop to report. I guess he just did it for shits and giggles, but it fucked up my whole life. I wish he could have seen the damage he cost me. I feel like some cops like to provoke people and mess with some people who are just trying to live life while crimes are actually happening all around us. I couldn't get no help when threats were coming my way, but le let me try to be a good mom as shit and just, just, it's all going left for what? The ombudsman declined to help me, even when I said I'm a single mom with a child of a disability and I needed to take care of it. It take care of him. It didn't matter. So what the fuck's an umbrella's been good for, huh? My only option now was to take the money from my student loan and pay them. But that was just a lot of money to lose all at once. With all this bullshit going on, I looked forward to the fact that the writing program was still going strong in my building. That support, that was needed. We were about to launch a website that had all our writings on it. How dope. I finally get to be published. December 28, 2010. Facebook post. Women with words got some real hot writing going on. To all my friends, please support me and check out what's up with the site. Womenswords.wordpress.com I think the site's still up if y'all actually want to check it out. The high of the new website was enough to get me to New Year's Eve. Not to mention, I just found out that a new writing program I applied to called Amy, A-M-Y, had just accepted me into the program. I had applied to two. Amy was run by white people, and Obsidian was a black theater company. I wasn't accepted into their program. I always had this weird thing where I wasn't black enough for the black kids, yet... I was too black for the white kids. This oddly reminded me of that, but who cares? I was at least accepted by somebody. Leah had applied to the same program, but didn't get in, so I needed to just count my blessings. I didn't start to the new year anyway, so I still had time to focus on that. But for now, I needed things to make sense. I needed things to be okay. I needed them to make sense again. I mean, I needed God. I have barely been to church throughout the course of the year. I mean, I tried, but I was never comfortable. The only church I knew was the same place I met my rapist, and I was scared that I might see him, so I avoided church altogether. I would go every now and then when the girls when when the guilt hit, but nothing was consistent. My heart was aching though. Sometimes it felt like I was a kid looking in the window to a candy store. Seeing how joyful everyone was, but I was left in the cold, broken and miserable. Christmas came, and I had my usual sense of dread going to my grandma's house. 
That place was filled with so many traumatic memories, not to mention the bullying from my family. They weren't actively calling me any names or anything or talking about how bad I was, but I still felt unwelcomed. KK was my saving grace. Everyone loved him, and he was a good buffer. To avoid everything, I just usually stayed on my phone chatting with people. I got a Merry Christmas text on Christmas from a number I didn't know. So I said, new phone, who this? Leo. Who's that again? Oh, right, right. The car mechanic. Sweet, talking, light-skinned nigga with some old swag. Okay, cool. I love those texts. People who haven't spoken all year seem to reconnect for the Santa, for the sake of St. Nick. Anyway, he had invited me over for New Year's, but I made a choice to choose God instead. This is going to be good. What I didn't know was they were doing baptism the same night that I had arrived early enough to catch it. Now baptism had been a soft spot for me ever since my church essentially pushed me out. Well, it was more than more of a push out, more than push out. Like they flat out denied me. Only minutes before I was supposed to be baptized, but uh my heart was still thinking about it. My heart still hurt. And I still haven't been baptized yet. The memory had been way too painful to go back and vi- revisit that. So I'm thinking, what if they just reject me again? Two-time rejection was more than enough for me. wasn't trying to add a third. Since I was already here, I decided to sit and watch. As I sat in the church the night, the candidates of the baptism were giving account of why they wanted to get baptized. Most of them said, I really have to thank my mentor for praying with me, checking in on me, helping me stay on this good path, even when times seem hard. With all the changes I've made internally, I really want to show the world and external, externally what God was doing for me. I mean, that's good, right? But then my head starts going, so where was my mentor? Where was the person who was supposed to check up on me? All I heard was, I'll call you, hun, and I never got a call. And yet, here are a plethora of mentors. God, you didn't think I needed a mentor? You didn't think I needed help? So what? I'm just expected to go through life when everything keeps happening to me? I have yet to catch a damn break. Everywhere I turn, there's something else happening. Another sickness, another bill. It never ends. Am I not good enough for you? I tried to get baptized. I tried. I tried to show the world I was ready. And what did they do? They chased me out. They told me no. They stopped me from singing. They wouldn't allow me to participate. They kept their kids from hanging out with me. I was the scum of the church because I was pregnant. And I wasn't good enough then. But this whole time, I could have had help. And you said no one? No one to help me? Why? What have I done to deserve this? Because I got pregnant? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love my son. But I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry I'm not good enough. And I don't think I ever will be. As quickly as I wiped the tears from my face, they would fall right back. I was immensely hurt. I had never questioned God before. 
It was never my place to, but I was hurt. I felt like my heart broke into so many pieces. I felt like if even God didn't want me, then what the fuck was the point? Where were my mentors? Where was the person who was going to help me get back on track? Where was the person who cared enough to text me and check up on my spiritual well-being? Why didn't God love me enough to send someone my way to help me out? Why did I have to figure out everything on my own? Why was I not allowed to get baptized? Was I really not good enough because I had my son? Did God really turn his back on me for what I did? Like, no love for the unwed mother. No love for the sinner. No room in the church for mistakes. I walked out of church as quickly as I could. This anger was boiling inside of me. Since it was a celebratory night, most of my friends were already out having fun. So I dialed Leo's number. Desperate not to be forced to return to my empty apartment. So I'm thinking, I I mean, I remember this guy. Just like the mechanics that day, this man still had his swag on point. He had a gray fedora hat and a long black jacket, pimped out shoes. This man was styling. The dark colors looked good against his light skin. I chilled with him and his cousin for a bit at a local restaurant before Leo and I made our way back to his office. Wasn't long before he had me spread out on top of his desk and he penetrated me with his tongue. I've often heard the saying from Jamaican men, Badman Nanyan Fish. Translation, gangsters don't eat pussy. Lies. <laughs> on top of his desk, he penetrated me in several different ways and when he was done, I sat up and cried. So I'm thinking, this is a new low for even you. Did you really just do that? No wonder God doesn't want your ass. You really have no respect. You don't know how to just say no, eh? My anger and rejection had caused me to have sex with a complete stranger in an office on a desk. And I didn't even know his real name. He held me as I cried. Confused as hell, he said, why are you crying? I sobbed silently without response. He tries again. Is it because you think I'm going to judge you because we just had sex? I nodded my head, yes. Baby girl, I'm a grown man. That shit don't faze me. I'm not judging you and I'm not going to leave you just like that. I'll always take care of you. I guess that's all I needed to hear. Because I brought him home with me and we spent the rest of the morning enjoying each other's company. My morning was full of regret. (laughs) I'm looking at this man and all I can think of is his age. This nigga, 11 years older. Really, Cola? Really? You couldn't find no one your age, eh? What's the number one rule? No niggas over three years. Five, max. So you just gonna let some old dick up in you, eh? I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm looking into his eyes and they're beautiful, warm, caring. He spoke so gently as he said, Don't tell anyone that I ate you out, not even your girls. And I said, Don't worry, I won't. Once we got up, 
He took me out to eat and he said he texted me later. As I was driving myself back home, I realized old nigga meant he wasn't a broke ass. Alright, cool. Maybe there's some perks to this after all. This is just the beginning for us. And the minute I got home, <laughs> girl, guess what happened last night? I had checked all the Happy New Year's messages and realized Nathaniel had left a message on my wall asking for my number. January 1st, 2011. Facebook post. Laugh out loud. Here, nerd. My house phone and my cell is. Don't lose it now. And I'm posting up again. Womenswords.wordpress.com. Check it out under Miss Cola. Nathaniel and I reconnected enough to be cordial. He had moved out of town after we split and was coming back to Toronto for an appointment. Only thing was, he needed somewhere to crash for a couple of days and he thought he'd ask me. Actually, it was more than a couple of days. It was three months to be exact. And he was kind of scared to ask based on how things ended. Truth be told, I didn't hold grudges like that. If he needed a place to stay, then I'd help him out. I'd rather he stay with me than at a shelter. Plus, it wasn't going to be a long stay. Only three months, right? I had to try to explain this to my sister. It's reasonable, right? Hey, I'm Paula. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been a blessing. You can find copies of this book at livingcola.com. You can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Please join me next week as I continue to read chapters from Casualty of Love's Apologies.